Well, hey, good morning. Great to see those of you here in the room, and uh, for those of you online, good to welcome you as well. I know uh, many of you watching are part of our church family, and I just want you to know we, we still miss you, and I uh, hope you're doing well. For those of you that are guests and kind of tuning in or checking it out, thank you, and for those of you that are guests here in the room with us as well, uh, thank you. Um, today, we're going to talk from John 3 about one of the most well-known but most misunderstood phrases in the whole Bible. Right, this is a phrase a lot of people have heard, even people who aren't Christians and didn't grow up in, around church have heard this phrase, so it's well known, but it's, but it's very misunderstood, and it's this phrase, born again, born again. In fact, if you hear it outside of church, it's usually with a bit of a sneer. Right, that's how I heard it when I was in college at one point, I was on a, a baseball team with a bunch of Christians, and when, uh, one summer, we would kind of, during the nights off, we would go downtown in Kansas City, and we would start conversations with people and interview them and do surveys. They would kind of lead to, you know, spiritual conversations. I remember sitting with this one guy at a McDonald's in Kansas City. Some of you have heard me tell this story. And, and as soon as we sat down with him, he said, hey, are you one of them born-agains? I said, well, yes, I am born again. And he said, I make mincemeat out of born-agains, right? And so he was, he was excited to make mincemeat out of me. We had a great conversation, great conversation about the Lord and about that sort of thing. But that's, that's kind of what we think of when we think of born again. What does that really mean? Is it weird? Is it okay to be a born-again Christian? What, what is that? And so uh, we're studying the gospel of John, and we're trying to just get to know who Jesus is. We feel like in the midst of all the turbulence of our world, there is just nothing better that we could do than focus on Jesus. Amen? Focus on Jesus. That's what we're doing, and we're just going to kind of get to know him. Chapter 1 sort of introduced Jesus and some themes of John's gospel. Chapter 2 showed us some things that Jesus did. He turned water into wine as a picture of how the new heavens and the new earth would flow with abundance. Then he goes into the temple, and he drives out the sacrifice and foreshadows how he will be the sacrifice to replace the sacrifices. Then we get to John 3, and in John 3, we get kind of the, the beginning of Jesus' teaching, and the beginning of Jesus' teaching talks about being born again. Now, here, here's the reality, is born-again Christian is redundant. You know what redundant means, I hope? It's, too, you know, it's saying the same thing that you don't need to. That's like I just was, being redundant, right? And so we, we love redundant phrases. Like here's a, a few of my favorite redundant phrases. New innovations. What's innovation? Of course it's new. Uh, added bonus. Passing fad. A fad is inherently passing, right? You don't need to add that. Uh, advance warning. Or one that I, I, I say this a lot, man, that was such an unexpected surprise. That's a redundant phrase. Well, listen, born-again Christian is redundant. If you're born again, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're born again. There is no such thing as a not-born-again Christian. It's a redundant phrase. And that's why we get this big idea, where we get that from is this big idea in verse 7 where Jesus says, you must be born again. As Jesus is introducing his teaching, that's the big idea. You must be born again. If you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be part of this kingdom of God, if you're going to have eternal life with Jesus, you must be born again. And so that's what we're going to look at here today. Let's, let's pray together. 
Father, we invite you now by your spirit to speak to us. Lord, you tell us in verse 8 that the wind blows where it wishes. We hear its sound. We don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. And so, spirit, we pray for you to blow through this room to awaken our hearts, to help us see the beauty of Jesus. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You must be born again. Here's the setting of this story. We read it just a moment ago. Again, Jesus had done all these amazing things in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, we're introduced to this man named Nicodemus. It says in verse 1 that he was a man of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a sect of Jews. Uh, Pharisees literally means set-apart ones. So the Pharisees were the kind of ultra-religious conservatives of that day. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So this is not just any Pharisee, this is a high-up Pharisee. This is a Pharisee's Pharisee. He's important, he's moral, he's kind of at the top of the pecking order. And it says in verse 2 that he came to Jesus by night. A lot of people have speculated about that. Some have said, well, that's because these Jewish teachers would often work during the day and the nighttime was when they would discuss and they would learn things. Some people think that. Other people think, well, maybe it's because Nicodemus was afraid. He's kind of this covert disciple of Jesus, and so maybe he didn't want it to be known, and so he came at night. Maybe uh, John is just contrasting night and darkness, light and darkness, right? He's doing that throughout this book. We don't know exactly, but he comes at night, and he offers Jesus this compliment. Hey, Jesus, we see everything you're doing. There's no way you could do all the stuff you're doing if you weren't from God. Doesn't really ask a question, but kind of does, right? It's a statement, but his question is basically, hey, Jesus, what's up with you? (laughs) Where are you from? What are you doing? What are you about? And here's what Jesus says in verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, Nicodemus is like, wait a minute. (laughs) Right? And this is what's so hard when we read the Bible. You've heard the phrase born again. And so a lot of you kind of already kind of know what it means. Nicodemus has not heard this before. So he's going, wait, wait, wait. Unless I'm born again, I can't enter the kingdom of God? Listen, I don't know how that would physically work. Right? That's sort of what he says. Like, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time? He's basically like, listen, Jesus, I, that sounds terrible to me. It sounds worse to my mom. Like, I don't think anyone's interested in this. Like, w- what in the world? And Jesus says, again, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So already there we go, okay, born again, born of water and the spirit. Those are talking about the same thing. And then he says, verse seven, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So here's what I want to do. I just want to use that phrase, you must be born again, and draw out from each of those words the significance of what Jesus is saying. So here's the first word we want to highlight is you. You must be born again. Do you see that in verse seven? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Again, now what's interesting here is that Jesus is just having a one-on-one conversation with Nicodemus, but that you and you must be born again is plural. Maybe even if you, especially if you have a paper Bible, there might be a little footnote there uh, that says in the Greek, this is plural. Now, Now, unfortunately in English, we don't really have a way very well to distinguish if I say you, meaning you, Mark, versus you, meaning all of you, right? The best we have is y'all. And some of you are like, yeah, why don't, we use, why don't we use that? And I'm with you. Y'all is a very helpful phrase. Like once you go to y'all, there's, it's just, 
it's the best, right? But I guess the Bible translators weren't all that into y'all, right? But if they were, verse 7 would say, do not marvel that I said to you, y'all must be born again. That's literally what it means. What's the significance of that? Here's the significance. Jesus is not just saying that Nicodemus must be born again, but that y'all need to be born again. Everybody, everyone, everywhere. This is not just limited to him. This is everyone, anyone, no exceptions, right? And as human beings, we, we, just, we like to think of ourselves as the exception to the rule. Well, that, those norms are for other people, but I'm unique, and, and whenever someone tries to emphasize their uniqueness, I just want to go, yes, you are unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> We're not that unique. And so this, what Jesus says, applies to everyone. Next word to highlight, must. You must be born again. This is describing something that has to happen, something that is a requirement, something that if this doesn't happen, it's impossible. And I want you to see how much Jesus is emphasizing this. Look at verse 3 and look at verse 5 and see how similar they are and how exclusive they are. Verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless... One is born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. You know, there's a lot of way, ways to do a lot of different things, right? I, I'm not good at a ton of things. There's a few things I'm good at. And most of the things I'm good at, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Like, I'm really good at grilling a steak. I'm a good at hitting a baseball. I'm a good at putting a sermon together. I'm good at that. But th there's just lots of ways to do that stuff, right? Like, I bet a lot of you are like, you think you're good at grilling a steak. Let's compare notes, right? And, and I'd probably have a lot to learn from you because there's a lot of different ways to grill a steak. There's a lot of different ways to hit a baseball. There's a lot of ways to preach a sermon. There are not a lot of ways to enter the kingdom of God. There's one way. You must be born again. It's required. Now, what makes this so striking is who Jesus is saying this to. Because in chapter 4, Jesus is going to have an interaction with a, a Samaritan woman at a well. In the middle of the day, that is not the time that most women gathered their water. So she's an outcast, she's an outsider. We come to find out through the conversation that she's on her fifth, or she's had five husbands. The guy she's shacked up with now is not her husband. She's had a rough life. We expect Jesus to say to her, hey, you must be born again. But that's not who he's talking to here. He's talking to the Navy SEAL Pharisee the ruler of the Jews, the moral of the moral. He's talking to Billy Graham and Mother Teresa and whoever else you think of is on the top of that list. He's talking to your pastors and he's saying, you must be born again. In other words, it's not like, hey, the lousy people that can't keep the standard, they have to be born again, but you're good because you're a good person. And the reality is a lot of us think that we will enter the kingdom because we have a good resume. We were raised in a good family or we kept the rules or we were consistent at church or we gave a lot of money or we had all these good spiritual habits. That's great, but that is not enough to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Even Nicodemus? Yes, even Nicodemus. Are you more righteous than Nicodemus? No, and it doesn't matter. 
because you must be born again. Third word to highlight is the word be. Now, in the Greek, be is part of be born. It's actually just one word. But, but highlighting the word be emphasizes that this is a passive thing. Notice, this is not a command. Jesus is not saying, be born again. He's saying it's a statement of fact. You must be born again. And it's a passive thing. He doesn't say, get yourself born again. He says, you must be born again. Right, there's a lot of different things that we can engineer, right? We can, you know, my kids like to give me a certain puppy dog face, right? There's certain ways we can ask a question. I've learned as a preacher, I have to actually be careful about some of the things I mention up here because you guys are so kind and so generous, right? Like th there was a time a few years ago during our fuse, our kind of in-town student camp where I mentioned just as an illustration that uh, I was talking about how we should pray like little children just boldly ask for stuff. I was talking about my little Mary at the time, I think she was maybe three, two or three years old, and we were at Costco, and she saw someone with a big thing of muffins, and she was just walked up to her and was like, can I have a muffin? <laughs> right? Like, that is how we should pray. That was kind of my point. And the woman said, no. <laughs> Heart of ice. What a terrible <laughs> woman. Um, anyway, so I just told that story. Well, the next week, somebody showed up with a case of muffins from Costco and said, I know Mary didn't get to have her muffins, I want you to have her muffins. I brought them home and my wife's like, could you mention uh, that Mary also would like a vacation house in Flagstaff? <laughs> because that would be pretty great. So I actually, I've got to be careful, right? Because I can manipulate it. I can say little things that can kind of work it, right? We all can do this. But, but here's what's going on here. When Jesus says, you must be born again, he's saying, you can't engineer this. You can't manipulate this. You can't create this. You can't make this happen. It is passive. It's a work of the Spirit. And look at what it says in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. Interestingly, in Greek, the, the word wind and the word spirit is the same word. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. In other words, you have no more ability to be born again than you do to create a windstorm. And aren't there times in Arizona where you're like, oh my goodness, can we just get a breeze? Right? And if you had any power to create a breeze, you would do it, but you don't. And you also don't have the power to be born again. This really should just be so obvious, even as we think about the word born. How many of you had a say in being born? All right, I'm ready now. No, you didn't. And so in the same way, to be born again means it's a passive thing that, that has to happen. God, God has to do it. The other biblical authors pick up on this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Apostle Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been Save. This is a passive thing. God has to do this. This is a miracle of the Spirit that God does in our hearts. It's the miracle, let's highlight this verse, this word of being born again. This Greek word for born 
is where we get the idea of something being generated. And so being born again is being regenerated. That's the theological term for this. Regeneration is the doctrine of how God makes us born again. We are birthed again. Now, here's another interesting thing about this. Where it says born again, that word again has, could be translated two different ways in the Greek. It could be translated as again, meaning happens a second time. It could also be translated as from above. So some translations will say you must be born again. Some will say you must be born from above. Well, which is right? Yes. Yes. This is the beauty and the artistry of John as he's writing this book. To be born again is to be born from above. Now get this, this is not a call to being reinvented, to being tweaked, but a call to being entirely remade, right? When we think about people, who are some people who have just really reinvented themselves? Well, there's nobody better, I don't think, to think of than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger started like this, as Mr. Olympia... Mr. Universe, right? That's what you can do with a lot of hard work and vitamin S. <laughs> but I mean, that's a remark. That's just amazing. So that's, that's how Arnold Schwarzenegger came on the scene. And then, so he's top of his field bodybuilding, and then he reinvents himself, and he becomes this blockbuster star, right? He's the Terminator, and he's kindergarten cop, and he's all these different sort of things. And again, it's not enough to just be the top of one field, now he's the top of two. And then he reinvents himself one more time and becomes the governator, right? And the governor of California. And so now he's the top of that field, right? And, and this is an amazing thing. He just keeps reinventing himself. And yet, the whole time, he's kind of an Austrian meathead, the whole way. He's not totally remade. He's slightly reinvented. And we would prefer, wouldn't we, to be just reinvented? And this is the kind of enticement I think a lot of social media in particular is you can display how you're reinventing yourself. You, we just want little tweaks. You know, give me a book to read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose a few pounds. I'm going to go back to school. Maybe if I get a new job, maybe if I get a new house, maybe if I get a new spouse. I'm just kind of reinvent things. That is not what Jesus is talking about. To be born again means to be totally remade. It's not a house with a little kitchen project. It's a house that's being demolished and rebuilt. Born again. Now, this idea of born again, as we've already said, is connected to what he says in verse 5, that born again is to be born of water and the Spirit. Do you see that connection? I mean, those, those two verses, verse 3, verse 5, it's the same sentence structure. One is born again, one is born of water and the Spirit. So it raises this question, what does Jesus mean when he says born of water and the Spirit? Well, some people have thought that this must be a reference to baptism, born of water. And uh, we're actually a little bit later in this service going to be celebrating a baptism. Um, and that's really going to be exciting and beautiful and wonderful. But as you're going to hear, even as you hear the story of baptism, what you're going to find is that it's not the being baptized that makes you born again. It's the being born again that makes you say, I want to get baptized. So this is not talking about baptism. Rather, it's talking about this new creation that God promised in Ezekiel chapter 36 
and 37. This is so amazing. This is so beautiful. I want to show you this. In Ezekiel 36, what we find is this remarkable promise of the new covenant. Here's what God says he will do to his people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. This is what God had promised to do hundreds of years beforehand through the prophet Ezekiel. I will clean you. I'll sprinkle you with water. I'll wash you. All your uncleanness, all your idolatry, all your sin, I'm going to wash it away. So to be born of water is not to be baptized. It's something better. It's something that baptism points to, which is to have your sins washed away, removed, your uncleanness, your idolatry, the record of your wrong is no longer held against you if you are born of water. Born of the Spirit is the next verse, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, I'm coming to cleanse your sin. And I'm coming to change your heart. To take out your old way of thinking, your old way of living, your old way of loving. And to put something new in it, my spirit. And rather than being animated and, and motivated by living for yourself, you're going to live for me. That's what it is to be born again, to be born of water and of the Spirit. And then the very next chapter in Ezekiel chapter 37, God illustrates it further as he says, hey, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into this, uh, he has this vision of this valley filled with dry bones. And he says, I, I want you to uh, tell the, the dry bones to live. And he, he says, well, I don't know if that's going to do anything, God. I don't really have any power he says, well, I'm going to send my spirit. And the spirit comes like a wind. And Ezekiel says, live. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, live. And the bones begin to rattle together. And these dry bones become living bodies. <laughs> That's the promise of being born again. Is that you would go from being dead in your sin to being alive in Christ to having your sin forgiven, to have a new, bright future ahead of you. The question today is, have you been born again? Have you been made new? So I think there are some of you who just sort of minimize the question because you go, well, I've been around church for a long time and I know all this stuff and I can't remember a time when I didn't kind of believe in God. And, and, and you might minimize this. Don't minimize this because you must be born again. Have you had this renovation of your heart? Have you had this transformation of your affections and your desires? Do you love what God loves in a way that you never did before? Or are you just kind of being religiously pretty good? Others of you, you might be discouraged because you're thinking, well, gosh. And then this is something that I, I've been thinking a lot about. Like um, this language of born again. Or in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? It just seems like this big, comprehensive language. And yet my experience as a follower of Jesus feels very incremental. And you start to go, well, have I been born again? If it feels so incremental, 
And here's what I know. And everyone has different stories and different experiences of how the Spirit blows into your life. But for me, when I came to faith as a 17-year-old, there were some things that instantly changed. And there's a lot that plagued me then and that plagues me still. But I know that my desire is different and my love is different and my affection for God and my desire to please Him is different. And I thank God for the changes that were evident right away. And I thank God for the changes that happen incrementally. And I thank God for the changes that will only happen when he takes me home or returns. And as I've reflected on this and processed this, even with some of our leaders, what's, what's occurred to me is that this is how it is to be born. Right? I, I think of all my, my four kids. My oldest is 14, youngest is four. And with all of them, pretty quickly you could see some element of their personality. And yet, the, the future of their life is very much to be determined. And that's how it is to be born again. You're made new. You're transformed. Your heart changes. And it takes the rest of your life to become who you already are. This is the good news of the gospel. That God is not coming to you in Jesus with a long list of things that you must do. But rather he's saying to you, Receive this gift of the Spirit, making you alive, making you new, making you born again. So if you're here today and you're going, well, gosh, I, I, clearly I now want to be born again. I want to enter the kingdom. Well, maybe if God is stirring in you even now, then hear his voice. Respond in faith. Pray. Take time through the rest of this service. Don't sing another word of a song if you don't have to. Just pray and ask God, God, make me new. God, transform me. God, forgive my sin. God, give me your Spirit. That's the offer of Jesus. You must be born again. We're going to celebrate how God does that in just a moment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for making us born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. God, we can't deserve this or achieve it or earn it, and you give it freely. So God, as we hear your voice, as we sense your spirit awakening our hearts, would we respond in faith? And God, for those of us who are born again, but uh, are living more like our old self, would you forgive that sin too and help us to walk by your spirit? I pray it in Christ's name, amen. Amen.